When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in. Welcome to Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, graduate Damon Barr, is in. He's like, that's right, son, and I'm going to be bailing you out of jail someday. Damon Barr is in. Mr. Rum Connoisseur, we are loaded up. We're going to spend time with Mitch Sherman. Mitch is our constant Tuesday guest. We love talking ball with him and Mitch and his uh, buddies at The Athletic. They're doing really a, a cool feature on upsets that uh, have shaped college football programs even 20 years later. And you had uh, the upset that that Nebraska fans have tried to, you know, block and drink out of their memory, and that's the the Nebraska-Colorado 2001 debacle in Boulder. We'll spend some time on that. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Get a coach's perspective. Can you smell an upset? as a coach or as a player. If uh, it's been a bad week of practice or maybe you're getting a little bit too big ahead as a player and, you know, we'll get Coach uh, Kaczynski's perspective on that. And also George Darlington, the Hall of Fame Nebraska assistant, as uh, Coach Darlington was, was on that uh, staff uh, in Boulder in 2001, part of Mitch's story. So numbers to get in, join us at 466 37 Seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Those are the numbers. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Let's get you some baseball updates. One of the, the official voices of college baseball is Kendall Rogers. And uh, he is all over uh, where things could be for the NCAA regional projections and seedings and, most importantly, host sites. So you got uh, towards the end of the week here with the championship oversight panel where they're going to put their mark on where the 16 sites will be Thursday or Friday here. And... What I do know is this, the, the latest projections along with Kendall and Aaron Fitt for D1 Baseball, they now have Florida State moving into that last host site. It is no longer Lincoln, Nebraska. It's no longer Nebraska. Too tough of a, a sweep against Rutgers. Really good weekend, 3-1 uh, and one for the Big Red, but uh, not enough. And really, there's just zero margin for error, right? Uh, because the Big Ten was idiotic yet again with some decision-making. And from a baseball standpoint, you are getting no non-conference games where go ahead and fly to Piscataway 
but damn it, you can't drive up the road or Creighton can't come down here and you can't play Creighton. <laughs> you know, you're, you're 60 miles away. But Florida State is now the 16 seed. They're the one seed in the Tallahassee, Tallahassee Regional as Nebraska is back in familiar territory, and that is in the Fayetteville Regional against top seed overall, the Fighting Dave Van Horns of Arkansas. That's a nice story. You have the Will Bolt, uh, Coach Van Horn connection. Nebraska's the two seed. Oklahoma State's in there. Oral Roberts, the four seed. So that's that's the projection right now by Kendall Rogers. So Nebraska back where they were before they, they got hot and took first in the league. So it's not over. Nebraska can still make some noise. But the reality is this. I mean, you, you've got to win out and, ha- and hope some teams lose out because uh, Michigan looms and we'll, we pray that the Northwestern game gets in or the series gets in with their COVID situation. But you, you, as nice as Michigan is, even their RPI is not great. It, it just isn't. But overall, the Big Ten is is getting a, a little bit of a, of a nod uh, there are now, per D1 Baseball, five Big Ten teams slated to make the field of 64 for the NCAA Baseball Tournament. Uh, Maryland is now a three seed. Michigan is in the Texas Regional down in Austin as a two seed. Again, projections here, as we'll know for sure, at the end of the week where host sites are going to be. Uh, you do also have uh, some more Big Ten flavor, which is nice, in South Bend, and this has always kind of been constant, with Indiana, the two seed, as in, in the Notre Dame regional, Notre Dame, the seven national seed uh, right now, and Iowa in the Texas Tech regional, as the Hawkeyes, the three seed, mixed in with Wright State, Arizona State, and Texas Tech. Uh, you have Michigan, Nebraska, Maryland, Indiana, and Iowa, your five Big Ten teams uh, right now as we talk on a Tuesday getting in. So there, there's where we're at. Let's go back to uh, what Mitch wrote about, and, and that's the Nebraska-Colorado game 01. It, it's a difficult conversation. Some of you are screaming at your radio or shaking your foam as you stream us on ESPN Lincoln Dot com, but it's it's a it's a tough discussion, and a lot of you remember where you were for that game. So many people have made the trip out to Colorado for Nebraska, Colorado, and it it did its best to to replace Oklahoma, Nebraska. Never really did, obviously, but man, there were some ball games and. Nebraska was rolling. Nebraska had beaten Oklahoma. Crouch had his Heisman moment with the uh, 41 black flash reverse where he catches it, goes down the sideline from Mikey Stunts, and uh, Nebraska prevails and is in the top of the college football mountain in 2021. You beat Kansas State. You beat Texas Tech. And then you go into Boulder the day after Thanksgiving and get annihilated 62-36. And it was closer than that where Nebraska had a chance to, to cut the lead down to single digits. And a, a guy that was a, a good running back here but still gets crushed for it, Darren Diedrich, 
had had too many fumbles that day. One of those is he tried to go Walter Payton from five yards out over the goal line, and uh, there's a fumble, and, and Nebraska really never threatened again. And, you know, what What did that game do to change the course of, of history? And I looked back, and we'll talk with Mitch about this because this is a fascinating project. And you had so many upsets that weekend or the weekend after where Spurrier gets upset by Tennessee and he hated Tennessee. Nick Saban beats Tennessee. Uh, Nebraska finds their way back into the national championship game against Miami by the slimmest of margins with the BCS computer. We'll talk with Coach Barnett like we always do on Thursday as he's also in this story. Eric Crouch is in it. Daniel Graham's in it. Uh, Craig Oaks, the quarterback's in it. Uh, uh, you know, Chris Brown uh, went for six touchdowns and a boatload of yards, and it, it was just rough. And we'll talk to George Darlington, who was you know putting the defensive game plan together along with Craig Bull. And you know, the simple question is: you point back and circle it and say, you know, did that disintegrate the program? Did that loss? Going back to that loss, can you point back to that and say, eh, you're still struggling today, and that was that was the the atom bomb explosion for the program, and and I don't think so, but it sure as hell didn't help. There's a lot of factors to me that that has caused the downfall of Nebraska football. And the first big piece of it, yes, was that loss. But then the getting the, the executioner mask strapped on you and being tied to a pole and then playing that Miami team was seven pounds of salt in a compound fracture. And then you go seven and seven. And you have a new AD. Bill Byrne didn't want Frank Solich. Well, Smiley sure as hell didn't want Frank Solich. And Steve Peterson was out to, to find his great next football coach named Steve, Peter, uh, Steve uh, Spurrier or Urban Meyer. <laughs> Spurrier's like, huh? And, and, and Urban's like, no, dude, you just whacked the 10-win coach. I'm staying here at Utah. Thank you. <laughs> I will I will hang at Utah for a bit and then I'm going to go to Florida. So I, I applaud the, the names on the list, Steve, but you ended up with Bill Callahan, who if he had some redo, if he could get in the DeLorean, just like Nebraska's players and coaching staff would love to get in Michael J. Fox and Doc Brown's DeLorean and go back to 01. Man, it just, it, it really... It was an avalanche on the program that you got a new AD that came in that had an agenda, and then you go seven and seven, and then two years later you pop a guy for for nine wins. And we aren't going to get into the arm wrestling match of is Frank the right guy? Was Frank the wrong? I mean, clearly the the coaching changes that have happened since blasting Solich has been the biggest problem. But you say you come back and, and win that Colorado game. At one point, the game was 42-30. to 30. Nebraska had a chance to score to make it 42-37. to 37. 
say you win that, you have the, an improbable comeback against Colorado that day, and then you go play Texas, and who knows how that would have gone, but you go get a shot at Texas, and then, I don't know, the best thing for Nebraska was after the Colorado loss would have been to go play Illinois in the Sugar Bowl. Because Illinois got uh, beat by LSU. Or, or, or you go play Nick Saban in the Sugar Bowl. Nebraska was still an elite football program with, with really good talent. But they had a guy like Crouch. In, in all of Eric Crouch's performances, and he was money against Notre Dame twice. He was really good against Oklahoma uh, in, in Lincoln. And they got off to a great start in Norman the year before when they were ranked number one. Crouch, in a losing effort, willed that team to still be in it with 162 rushing yards and 198 passing yards. And you're an option team at the time where you're, you're bread and butters running the football. So you're down 35-3 to three with 10 minutes left in the second quarter. How the hell's an option football team going to come back and make this thing a game? Defense found a way to get some stops eventually, and and the offense hit some some big time plays. But man, um, I'm anxious to hear from Coach Darlington as a coach if if they ever felt like they were out of it. In this story from Mitch Sherman, Eric Crouch believed in his heart of hearts that they were going to find a way to come back and win that game. Mitch was there for it, was covering it, and I'm I'm anxious to get into it, but. You know, as a Nebraska fan, can send your emails, chris at alevarsity.com. Do you point back to that game as to what really turned the tide from elite, glorious football program and team? Is that the moment for you? Because there's been a lot of moments since. Okay, you've had tough losses to Wisconsin. You've had sub-500 seasons. You've been through a lot of either wrong hires administratively or with the head coach. And just overall, as a fan base, there's an expectation where, man, I, I think a lot of us would kill for nine wins or eight wins now, but that's still expected, and Nebraska's not close to what they were. They're trying to get back there, and they're trying to get back there with a formula that, that made it great for 50 years, but right now, it's just tough, and that's a moment in football that absolutely is burned into Nebraska fans. I mean, think about it. I was watching that in my parents' basement. I was a graduate. I was working part-time. I was, I was working for Dolman and ESPN here in Lincoln. And I remember trying to do a, an early post-game show with Bill as he's in the, in the Colorado press box. And it's just maddeningly deaf there, deafening there, because it's, it's an insane party. It's years of pent-up frustration. It's years of Colorado losing in overtime or to a, by a field goal or by less than a touchdown to Nebraska for like five or six straight years post-Frazier era. And they let it all hang out, and Nebraska fans weren't treated. The fact that Nebraska got Nebraska that day is what hurt most. The score sucked. Who beat you was bad. But the fact that Nebraska got drilled with some of their own medicine and got out physicaled was really bad. Is it the reason Nebraska football has still been in the football wilderness for 20 years? It's part of a bigger reason. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman, 
coming up on Hale Varsity Radio from The Athletic, his story. And uh, it is pretty good. The Athletic's looking at five pivotal upsets from the 01 season that still resonate. Because all around, and I talked to Jack Aroot earlier, and Jack's like, my memory's not so great now. I'd love to come on, but I just don't remember that day as vividly as I'd like. And, and Aroot was doing sidelines. And I got to work with Jack on some post-game stuff, just interning because, you know, Nebraska's journalism and mass communication college is so awesome. They, they helped provide internships for that. So Jack Aroot's on the sideline and you're hanging out with him during the Oklahoma game and he's doing his ESPN game night that night from, you know, the ESPN studio that I was, I was working at. So kept in contact with him. And even today, he's like, I couldn't believe that happened. So uh, a lot of reminiscing to do in a, in a tough discussion with Nebraska, Colorado, Mitch Sherman's next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how we doing? Mitch, do we have you, bud? Hello, Mitch. Let's try and reconnect. How's that sound? Let's turn our music down, too. That'd be sweet. So let's see if Mitch Sherman can join us. He has got visions of Colorado dancing through his head. Chris Brown for another touch. That, that, that hurts. Hmm. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and uh, find us. Follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Or you can uh, get a hold of Damon and chastise him at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Coming up next hour, we will have a, a quick chat with George Darlington, a uh, Nebraska assistant that was uh, on the sidelines or in the box, one of the two, that fateful day in Boulder. But really good uh, read. Uh, from The Athletic with what uh, Mitch is doing. And you had a slew of upsets that day, or I should say uh, that end of season, that uh, really shaped how the the direction of, of a lot of college football programs would go. Mitch, do we have you, bud? I'm here. Hey, sorry about, about that. I, I think uh, the, the hamsters in, in the back that run the power here we're trying to dodge Chris Brown's seventh touchdown run. <laughs> no problem. I was just—I uh, thought you didn't want to talk to me today, so no. I, you, know, you I, called I, me up, and then and then it was just silent. But uh, but yeah, Chris Brown is still running. Uh-huh. Talk to me about this this project. Phenomenal story and and outreach and connection with with so many key players in this story. And if you haven't uh, seen it or read it, Mitch uh, Sherman's story with the Athletic and. A feature that the Athletics doing five pivotal upsets from the 01 season that still resonate 20 years later. Mitch, you've covered Nebraska a long time. What was that day in Boulder like for you? Yeah, I was at that game in Boulder and, and watching the game last week as I reported the story. We're talking, of course, about the 62-36 to 36 Colorado victory against Nebraska on Black Friday 2001. The Athletic is, as you said, writing a, a series of stories this week on upsets that were pivotal in, in the 2001 season and shapes college football. In a lot of ways, 
are still shaping college football. Uh, the, the first story in this series ran Monday. Uh, Stuart Mandel wrote about Ohio State with its first win um, in 14 years at the big house. And you think now about where that series is at and where those two programs are at. And that was the, uh, the flipping of the switch, as he wrote on that game. And then, of course, 2001, uh, the, the uh, same year, uh, Nebraska at Colorado. Huskers are number one in the uh, BCS poll. Colorado was a good team, but um, did not have the, uh, the same kind of prestige at that time that Nebraska did. The Huskers had won 10 straight in the series, and uh, everything went sideways for Nebraska from the very beginning of that game. So it was, you know, I, I know Nebraska fans probably don't want to revisit that, but it's fun to hear the words of, of Eric Crouch and some of his teammates, Tracy Wistrom. I talked to George Darlington, who was, of course, a defensive coach for the Huskers at the time, about the, the, the schematic change that Nebraska made that week leading into the Colorado game because of their concern about the size up front for the Buffs, and it backfired badly um, as Colorado ran wild on a, a pretty simple running play that just it just went over and over and over again for for big yardage until it was 35 to three, and Nebraska made an adjustment. So Huskers came back in that one. Um, that 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 I guess uh, stuck out to me in rewatching that game and and remembering it, just how close Nebraska got to getting back to a place where it was a coin toss. And I think if you make it a coin toss in that situation, it's really heavily favored, favoring Nebraska because of where Nebraska was at as a program. It almost got to that point on a couple instances in the third quarter. So we remember it as a blowout. It was a blowout, uh, but, but it, was, it, was, uh, it was in doubt very much into the second half. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic, his story on the Nebraska-Colorado game 20 years later and uh, the remnants of that game. Mitch, Eric Crouch was incredible, and I've enjoyed his time on the show. You've talked to him several times in your career. That may have been his finest three hours in a completely uphill climb. He balled out just big time, and he almost let it back. And he had some... Turnovers in that game were brutal, but specifically uh, the, the, the win because Nebraska was, was closing in on, on making that thing a one-score game, weren't they? Yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it got to 42-30 in the second half. I mean, it was 42-23 coming out of halftime, and Darren Diedrich fumbled on the goal line, and then Nebraska nearly had a safety, almost turned a, a bad play into a good play. In fact, if you watch the replay, you might think it was a safety. Um, which, which would have made it 42-25 with Nebraska getting the ball back. It, Nebraska did get the ball back after the fumble at the one-yard line and, and went in and scored, Crouch scored, to make it 42-30, to and the Huskers got it back again. I think that's the time right there where, uh, where Nebraska you know, could, have, could have turned it and won it. And then, and then who knows? I mean, the reason we're writing about this is because of where program went after that point. Of course, the Huskers were 7-7. Seven and seven, in 2002 and got rid of five coaches and then in 03 went nine and three in the regular season and the wheels were in motion and Frank Solich was out and then you just have had this carousel of coaches that you know is hopefully stopping with Scott Frost but you know we <laughs> it remains to be seen how that how this thing is going to turn out um in the Frost era so it's it's still in kind of a spin cycle and there is an argument to be made that it started that day in Boulder. Mitch, what's your take? Do you think the dynasty died that day or was that the starting point 
say you lose but don't get killed like that is is the urgency by the powers that be to move on from mm-hmm. Frank as great. I know I know it's a it's a hypothetical, but not. I'm, I'm just great, wondering. It's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question to ponder, and there's it's hard to really know the answer. I, I honestly think the Miami game that occurred after that, in in conjunction with the Colorado game, when you put both of those back to back, and we didn't know at the time. I think you had a sense after the Miami game, but you didn't know like you do today or five years later how great that Miami team was. I mean, with 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 the running backs who were like a Hall, NFL Hall mm-hmm. of Fame cast, and, and Ed Reed and Sean Taylor in the secondary, and and the tight ends. Same kind of deal as the running backs. I mean, Dorsey, Ken Dorsey, the quarterback from Miami, was third in the Heisman and was maybe the 10th best player on that team. So uh, <laughs> knowing that, you, you take it a little bit differently, how Nebraska lost in the Rose Bowl. But at the time, it just seemed like another embarrassment after the Colorado game. And I think those two things together really shook Nebraska's uh, to its core. And, 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 it, and it, it very much put in motion the events that then led to the defensive staff getting replaced and Pelini coming in after the 0-2 season. And then by that point, yeah, I think it was too late. Nebraska would have had to go 11-1 and or something like that in 2003, and it just didn't have the team to do that or the schedule to make it happen um, or the time to turn things around with, with Bo's defense that year. Um, perhaps if, if, if things had stuck together, it, it may have happened in 04 or 05, but, you know, recruiting was, was – um, was suffering a bit at that point because of because of the negative energy and the momentum and the program in comparison to where it was at just a few years before in the '90s. So that Colorado game absolutely is is a is a piece is a factor in in what we're talking about here. But it's not the it's not necess, it's not the whole thing. I don't even know if it's the linchpin. I think the Miami game after it, it is maybe even a bigger thing. You know the way Miami was loaded that year, Oregon in Colorado. Uh, be my guest to go play the U. I kind of in, yeah. in hindsight because it it no one was going to beat Miami that day. You know what's even more fascinating is Miami almost lost twice that year. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Virginia Tech. Uh, there was another team in the ACC. Boston College. The Boston College. Yeah, and, and Miami team. You know, I think they were bored um, as the year right. went on, and they, they, you know they were they were number one at the beginning of the year. And, and then it was just like, it's like, hey, can we get to the national championship already? I think that was kind of the, uh, the attitude. And once they got there, I mean, that was, that was it was what, 30, 30, 30 to nothing or 37 to nothing at halftime of that game. And talking to Crouch about that game, you know, we, we reminisced. And I talked to all, all the guys I talked to on the Nebraska side. We talked about the Miami game, too. You don't see that stuff in the, in the story. But, um, and, and talking to Eric Crouch about that game, we, you know, we, we both remembered the play um, very well. Where Jonathan Vilma um, took out Ben Zaychek, the, the poor young receiver from Beatrice, um, like you know, it was it was it was it was unfair. It was like an NFL linebacker hitting a high school kid. And, and you know, I remember I was in the press box for that one too in Pasadena, and it was a legitimate concern when when that happened. Like you know, is Nebraska going to get off this field today without getting someone sent to the hospital? So that. that <laughs> That's kind of the way it went in 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 Pasadena, and Miami was incredible. And 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 Nebraska shouldn't have been in that game. Looking back on it, it was it was because of the the, the formula that the kind of messed up uh, BCS formula with with the computers that had no 
knowledge of, of when games occurred. Um, obviously, the computers didn't take into account that Nebraska had lost in its previous game by 26 points and didn't play for the conference championship while Colorado, which did have two losses, um, one of which was, was early in the year, a, a preseason game against Fresno State and then lost to Texas that, that, that Colorado avenged in the title game. You know, it probably should have been Oregon. And it would have been Oregon most likely um, if the formula had been in place that, that was implemented after the 03 season when changes were made to de-emphasize the computers. But, um, yeah, Nebraska would have been better off playing Tennessee or Oregon or a rematch with Colorado or Florida or, or anybody but Miami in that game. And, I, and that may have impacted the way things went in 02 if the Huskers had, um, had found a way to win a bowl game in 01 and just taken some of that immediate sting out of the uh, the sixty two to thirty six defeat, I remember thinking back, like just let's head down to New Orleans and and see if Illinois or LSU were mm-hmm. as good as advertised. But no, you're off to Pasadena, and it uh, didn't work out for Nebraska. That's the last time they they ended the season also in the top ten, uh, eleven and two, eighth in the country. Really good football team, amazing player in Crouch, but uh, the, the finish in Boulder was no good, and then getting the U in Pasadena was was rough after a month of people screaming that you don't belong there, but uh, mm-hmm. just went downhill. Mitch, this was awesome to chat about. I really loved this feature. I know it was a really horrible moment in Nebraska football history, but I'm still fascinated to this day by that game because it's still unbelievable with what happened. That's how locked in CU was that day. Yep. Yeah, follow along. Uh, we got three more games to revisit, and, and really the, that, that season was, was – uh, you know, some stars were aligned to uh, to, to uh, shape uh, the way the college football has transpired over the two decades that followed. Mitch, we'll get caught up next week. Thanks for your time today. All right, thanks, Chris. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Your chance to qualify coming up for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. That's the grill from Capitol Patio and the Flame Shop. The gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center. And the meat to put on said grill from Leon's Gourmet Grocer. A $100 gift card. Listen for that sounder this hour. Listen for the sounder next hour for your chance to win well hold on qualify you will win if you're listening on may 21st so uh, chatted with mitch sherman from the athletic uh, upsets that shaped college football in 2001 and uh, some programs still feeling the effects today and it's a simple yes or no is nebraska still feeling the loss to colorado 01 yes because of what mitch said the coaching carousel that's existed with this football program. We'll talk with Rick Kaczynski. Can you smell an upset as a coach or a player? Coming up in about 20 minutes. George Darlington, part of the feature in Mitch's story, uh, was a longtime Nebraska assistant. We love Coach Darlington. Uh, he'll be with us here about 5.30. Get his take on what he was seeing and feeling uh, going into that CU game. And it's interesting in, in Mitch's story, too. You know, Des Moines Adams, really good defensive end for Nebraska, uh, was pretty open about, hey, yeah, we, we're kind of focused on the on the Big 12 title game. It, it 
Colorado's that team that always tried to pick a fight with you, and you were the better football team, so you found ways to win really, really close games. And there were, were times where Colorado had as much NFL talent as you did. If you're the, the Nebraska football program, I don't know that oh, I mean, 0-1 was pretty loaded, but there was the, the, the new Heisel era after his inheritance from McCartney went away pre-Barnett that Colorado was just your real big pain in the ass 5-7 and seven team, right? And they kind of rose up to, to be really good under, under Barney. Coach Barnett will be with us on Thursday. So let's talk Tim Tebow here. And, you know, the, the reaction has been, well, quite frankly, horrifying. <laughs> horrifying uh, is, is maybe the best word, especially when you look at, at some NFL peers that are, that are going off. Des Bryant, specifically, you've got a lot of NFL guys wondering out loud, All right, Tebow can get signed, but Kaepernick can't. So there's the racial element to it. And you've got Tebow, who's had a long layoff. 2012's a while ago. You've got AAA baseball, and now you have the tight end. So Tim Tebow's done this. Tim Tebow's proved people wrong. Okay. Well, you know, it's just a well. Actually, he had a few home runs. Was okay. He was good enough to get a get a shot at a spot in AAA. And you won two championships at Florida. Here's what Urban Meyer is doing. Okay. Urban Meyer doesn't know the NFL. Doesn't know the NFL locker room. Urban Meyer's the guy that comes in and is your dictator. You can't do that in the NFL. Just can't. You got the first pick. You got a lot of draft picks. You've got a team that you can absolutely mold into whatever type of sculpture you want. And this won't kill your legacy because, hell, you're taking a shot at the NFL. You've won three championships. Why not give it a shot here? But... The fact that people are upset and cynical is one thing. There's a bigger picture. It's the communication part. It's the locker room understanding. It's kind of getting to know the pro athlete, what's it like. And Tebow pretty much gets along with everybody, whether you like him or not, or you're you're exhausted by him or not or hey why does he get so many cracks at so many different things it's fine but urban meyer's tapping into tebow here and you're starting off with a 90-man roster you're then going to come down to a 53-man roster and and tebow's going to be invaluable from a kind of that middleman standpoint to urban and tim tebow's a jacksonville kid So you've got Urban, Florida Connection. You've got Tebow, Florida Connection, Jacksonville. You've got Sunshine at quarterback. You're the number one pick overall. I mean, there's a lot swirling around here to get excited about Jacksonville football. If he doesn't make the team, he's going to at least be able to help clue you in at the pro level. 
and you have a relationship with him to tap into that. And, and quite honestly, teams go double tri- double tight ends all the time. H-backs, not as in vogue now, but you carry a lot of tight ends. And is he good enough to be a third or fourth place spot on the roster? Is he good enough to be a practice player guy? Maybe. He's 33. That's my question. Who's on the horn? We got Gary. Gary, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, you, quick question. I know when, when you guys were the average Joes, uh, did you know Randy Macho Man Savage played professional baseball? I did. He got drafted by Oakland. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He got drafted anyway, by Oakland. Yep. For the, for the naysayers of Tebow, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he win a playoff game the last time he played in the NFL? He did. He beat Pittsburgh in overtime. And, and uh, at Denver, a mediocre team, too. Yeah, Denver was kind of in that 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven phase yeah. with him. But he was, he was solid gold for a rushing touchdown on a quarterback counter inside the 10. <laughs> so do you think that Urban Meyer's just doing this uh, – uh, old time's sake, or do you actually think that Tebow can really uh, do something out there? Tebow's value goes as this. One, publicity. Two, Thank you. information. You, two, you two is past, information. You don't have to go past one. <laughs> no, it's, it's publicity, and then it's also, uh, Timmy, what am I getting into here in the NFL locker room? True, I, and I don't know what that is. So. Uh, neither does Urban. Uh, <laughs> you know? <So. laughs> Great point, man. Hey. Hey, uh, all right, you take care, Chris. Gary, appreciate you. <laughs> See you, buddy. Yep. There he is. Uh, old Gary. Love him. Yeah, he, he and Elijah are the two umpires I need to see in Major League Baseball. Right? They'll call a strike. Uh, they'll call a strike a strike. I'm sure, yeah, I, I have, yeah, Dolman sat in last Friday, God bless him, and I'm sure it got into wrestling talk. And yeah, Macho Man Savage. I was watching, uh, I think it was a Bob Costas interview live probably 30 years ago at 11.30 on a Friday when it was Costas on NBC. And oh yeah, is is sitting down there. I loved Macho Man. He was nice. I would have loved to have seen Macho Man and Hacksaw Jim Dugan in a spelling bee. In character. You know, probably out of character, normal dudes. In character. Spell grunt, ultimate warrior. All right, we'll wind down hour one. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, Rick Kaczynski, Coach Kaz, going to be with us. George Darlington next hour. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, Hail Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable. And law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before more people more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Find a way to get that ride. A DUI cost more than you think brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we're wrapping up uh, Tebow and uh, the hiring, renting, renting, signing, signing of Tim Tebow. And Rex Ryan, uh, former NFL uh, D coordinator, head coach 
Rexy's entertaining. He also has a take here on Tebow. Urban's trying to set a culture. And one of that is this guy right here is amazing off the field. His work ethic, his passion in the weight room, all that type of stuff is a real positive for your football team. However, I get it. And and it's not going to be a negative thing like it was with the Jets. Like, look, let's face it. Uh, I mean, we we were on hard knocks the, the next year when we got Tebow. We were on ESPN hard knocks. They were there all the time to see our backup quarterback. Um, but at, at right now, this is kind of a story that people are going to be pulling for Tim Tebow, that he's, you know, 30-some years old. Here's a guy who hadn't played a snap in 10 years. And, you know, people are going to be pulling for it. And, and we'll see. Maybe it takes a little pressure off of Trevor uh, you know, the, the rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, this guy may have some value in short-yarded situations, uh, running direct snap runs. Believe me, I tell you, he's if you got the ball on the one-yard line, I don't know if I bet against Tim Tebow even now, okay? He's good as a personal protector. And then as an H-back, fullback type guy, I can see it. I mean, is it ideal? Maybe not. But Urban Meyer, this is his guy. And there's no way they're going to cut Tim Tebow. There's no chance of it. He's going to make this football team. So all those points are valid, right, between kind of shielding the the number one pick from some pressure, the culture. Now, are you going to get the other side of the coin where someone's ticked off that, all right, this guy's not as good as me, or is he what's best for the organization? Isn't there a better player out there? It's more than just, making and taking snaps there's a bigger picture to it here and we'll see how this works i'm kind of excited about it but yeah rick's ryan with the the tebow mania and he's the backup and the attention and guys are petty and jealous no matter what our age some of us so um that was probably a thing and an issue in Manhattan. All right, let's get you qualified. Caller 9 right now for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Caller 9, now the grill from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, the Weber Spirit E210 Gas Grill, a $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, and the $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocery. Ooh, it's good. That meat for your grill, the grill, the gift card to Campbell's, the gift card to Leon's. Caller 9 qualifies right now, 466-3776-46637-76-1-800-825-5865. Dial us up. Damon will get your name if you're Caller 9 in the box. And it'll be as simple as that. We'll draw May 21st. Caller 9 now, 466-3776. Coach Kaz next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Our chat with Rick Kaczynski, Coach Kaz, with us here. Longtime assistant at Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, what's up? How was the weekend? Pretty good, man. So, uh, just a little track action, weekend off from baseball, but uh, overall, pretty good, man. How about yourself? Do it all right uh, with the weekend. Juniors team got their first uh, win on the Diamond, one of many more, right. hopefully. And we have a wood bat tournament this weekend, so I got to go to the sporting goods store and I got shaken down for a new wood bat. We're going to use 10 times, you know? So (laughs) I got to ask you, do you know how to cork one of those? Now, see, this is how you got to do it. (laughs) You don't, you got to keep your hands clean. You just have to know somebody who knows how to cork a bat, right? That's what I'm asking. Don't ever implicate, can't ever, don't ever tell on yourself, man. Start teaching Junior that now. Unless, hey, even if they got pictures, deny it. It's not you. That's a different it's a different hairstyle. <laughs> I know somebody who can cork a bat. That's a better. That's a better answer. I got to ask you, Coach. You know, in your time at, at Notre Dame or in Iowa or at Nebraska, that either a win or a loss that they had a, a monster impact. Uh, and I ask that because my buddy Mitch Sherman's doing a, a feature. His uh, site, The Athletic, upsets in two thousand one, and in one of the the games profiled was the, the Nebraska-Colorado game, and you know how Nebraska fans are. D- did that game break the program, right? You point back 20 years ago, and it's not just one game. That wasn't a good Friday in Boulder, obviously. Can you smell an upset coming, either on, on the winning side or on, on the losing side? Well, I, you know, one, I think as a player and a coach, when you when you look back, when you're you're not in present tense, you're, you're, you're constantly looking back on, on the losses. You know, the mm-hmm. The wins are great, all those type of things, but you you mostly concentrate on the ones that that got away. Uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I can go back at my as at, as my time as a player and a coach where there was some there were some high impact losses, uh, you know, and you know losing beating Florida State when they were number one in the country, then coming back losing to uh, Boston College in '93. You know, cost us a national championship. We still finished twelve and one, and and didn't get a share. Um, and then, uh, you know, same thing. Ninety four, losing to Boston College on the road, and it just kind of spiraled from there. We didn't have a very good season, you know, for the for the standards in Notre Dame at the time. And then the Orange Bowl in ninety five. Unfortunately, I was part of some of those. You know, some 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 losses where you know we were up twelve against Florida State. In Miami, and uh, end up ended up losing there uh, at the end of the game. So you, know, you, you concentrate more on the losses. Um, you know, as a as a coach, um, you know, smelling an upset. You, know, you 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 go off of you know, how you're practicing during the week, right? Uh, and I think I think a lot of times, you know, the us the upsets come. Obviously, they come against teams that on paper you you should beat. But uh, but also, I think the upsets come from when when you start getting nervous as a coach. You know, are the guys around the building? You know, how how's the you know how's the chatter around the pregame meal? You know, what's the, what's the deal with these guys? And uh, you know, sometimes against these, I guess for lack of articulation, subpar opponents, they're a little bit too lax. You know, some mistakes that they're making again in practice. You know, repetitive mistakes, things that aren't getting cleaned up on a Tuesday, from a Tuesday that you're still seeing on a Thursday. Those are the things that make you nervous as a coach going into uh, going into Saturday. You know, the big games they kind of take care of itself. Mm-hmm. 
you know, everybody wants to be a part of those. Those are easy. It's easy to coach in big games. So, you know, very, very, very few times, um, you know, really with the exception, I think, you know, going, going to Wisconsin um, and, you know, both my last two Wisconsin games at Nebraska, unfortunately, those are kind of the two games where I just kind of shocked and awed and didn't see it coming. You know, you just didn't see it coming. And, uh, you know, there was, a, I think, an impactful loss for, and a win for, for, for two teams on, on opposite spectrums at Iowa 2010, um, losing to Wisconsin at home at Iowa. And that's just kind of got the ball rolling for Wisconsin. We had beaten them two years in a row pretty handedly, um, you know, kind of bullied them around. We were, we were kind of what they were, what they are now. Had them at home, had them on the ropes, and they ran a fake punt on us. And uh, in my opinion, the the players kind of looked at the coaches differently after that game. And we had a hell of a football team. We had an NFL roster, and ended up going eight and five that year. And I and I truly believe that uh, we didn't have punt safe on. We had punt return. There was less than two minutes to go in the game. Fourth and six. Place was rocking. And uh, I know a few players. You know, I had a couple of D linemen that were on the field saying, safe, safe, safe. We pulled them off. They ran the fake punt for 36 yards. Mm-hmm. So up to that point, I think they had about uh, – they were averaging over 300 rushing yards a game. They, they had about 120 at that point. And then Monty Ball just went down the field and, uh, you know, ended, ended the game in the end zone. But, yeah, that was an impactful loss for Iowa, I thought, in 2010 because I – I thought it changed the whole dynamic of the team. Um, and I think it projected Wisconsin to kind of what they, you know, kind of what they are. Like they took over the game in the, in the trenches. And, uh, and that's just kind of they got their identity back for the first time since Barry had been gone. And they got that, they got that ball rolling. So, unfortunately, when you're in the game long enough, you're always on both ends of the ocean, maybe. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hail Varsity Radio, longtime coach, Nebraska and Iowa. Tuesdays with Kaz, our chats. You know, I'm just fascinated by it because everybody has that moment, at least around here, right? Where were you for that Colorado game in 01? And, uh, you know, I was in my parents' basement. I was working in media, but obviously not traveling to, to games. And you pour a Coors Light at 1030, day after Thanksgiving. And, and eleven o'clock <laughs> happens, and then you just want to like break the TV if you're wearing your your you know your your, your red sunglasses, <laughs> and uh, you're watching it with family, and, and and mom's even saying words that you know usually don't get said unless you break curfew, you know, <laughs> and and then you, you talk to folks that uh, that were there, and they're like, can't believe what happened, and then you know you you creep back into it, and then it just the rug gets pulled out from you. Again, and, and Colorado was really good that day. Did you ever, as a kid, did you go to a, a lot of college ball games, or did you, uh, a, as a fan growing up, as a sports fan, I know you played ball too, but um, anything that, that sticks out to you as, as, you know, with your fan hat on, uh, like a, a crushing memory uh, being that sports fan where your team just got absolutely ambushed, and you're like, what the hell happened that day? Yeah, well, yeah, you know, grow, growing up in, you know, Western PA, you, you look at the, um, you know, you, you're you're always looking at the high schools. I mean, those guys, those guys were celebrities to me. Okay. I, I okay. spent my I spent my days. You know, it was 
you know, going to the high school, watching, you know, Cathedral and a packed stadium, play the city teams or, you know, a team from Cleveland or team Cincinnati Moeller, you know, some team that's a national brand for a high school team and, you know, a bunch of kids that, uh, you yeah, from the parochial league that got together and played playing high school football, you know, kicking their tail. And it was awesome. I mean, I, I looked at those guys. Those guys were my, you know, I guess uh, the guys I looked up to growing mm-hmm. up. And it's funny, as you grow up and you see these guys, and it's like a five nine hundred eighty pound tight end that, you know, when I was in fifth grade, I thought it was Todd Christensen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just like drinking, drinking beer with the dude, uh-huh. you know, at uh-huh. Street Pub. And I'm like, hey, that's Keith Burns. I thought he was like 6'5", 260. And ran a four four, so no wonder why he didn't get recruited because he was five nine and a half, one seventy five <laughs> as tight end in nineteen eighty seven. So, uh, uh, but you know, as as a kid, um, I, I loved baseball. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I was a big big Tiger fan. Tigers had it humming in the uh, in the eighties, but you know, baseball was never a sport where I got too much. You know, was, hey, if they win, great. If they lose, eh, we're okay. Um, but uh, you know, I, I kind of shitty. I got. I grew up kind of like hoping people lose. You know, hated the Lakers, hated were, Magic. You were, you were cheering and, you for know, the, 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 the bad guys. Yeah, we were Celtics. <laughs> I mean, you get it. I mean, you look, and and what was hard in the eighties is when the Celtics and Sixers. Yeah, you, know, you had that Pennsylvania loyalty, oh, yeah. and then you also you also had the uh, you know you know, if you grow up and in in uh, Erie, you kind of had to be a Boston Celtics fan, so you didn't have much choice, but. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I just, I just love you. You go back and to grow up during that time and, and be a sports fan with the legends that played during that time, um, it, it's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. But you know, I think Penn State, uh, Oklahoma, in '85, I, I can still see Keith Jackson, yeah, you know, running down the middle of the field and <laughs> some poor safety trying to trying to tackle him. So that that game that game hurt me a little bit, but. Came back a year later and uh, watch uh, watch them camouflage hurricanes take one on the chin from uh, from the old Nittany Lions. So the you know, like inter- uh, intercept was, was a game. <laughs> oh, yeah, the test. Yeah, yeah. Pete gift topless. Yeah. It's funny because I watch some of those games now, and probably half the defense on Penn State wouldn't even get re- recruited now. Like yeah. Pete gift topless was a linebacker from. From Canada, he was just a great football player. But I guarantee he was a five one forty. I guarantee it. You know, <laughs> Trey Bauer was their inside linebacker. I mean, it was just, gosh. I mean, you know, it was just a time where you know I could name probably every player on both both sides of the ball. B.J. Dozier was uh, fullback, was the tailback. Yeah. Tim Manoa was the fullback. Schaefer the quarterback. Uh, Brian Cyberling, who was a guy from uh, my hometown, went to Harbor Creek High School. He um, and um, him and I got inducted to uh, the Western PA um, Hall of Fame together. So, I mean, here's a guy I grew up with watching, played on a national championship team, and uh, we're getting inducted to the Western PA Hall of Fame at the same time, you know. And I'm still, it just took me back. It was 2008, and, uh, you know, I'm 34 years old at the time. And I'm still looking at this kid like I'm a 12 year old kid, mm. and it's uh, you know that's the great thing about sports, man. You know, it's a uh, it was a hell of a vehicle for me and my family, and uh, it's been a hell of a vehicle for a lot of kids I was able to coach, man. So, Rick Kaczynski's with times, us. Brother. Kaz got to ask you about Barry Alvarez uh, stepping down as AD. 
but it sounds like he's going to be uh, the uh, liaison between the league office and uh, some of the coaches. Uh, that's got to be pretty big for for some of the coaches as they're trying to, to I guess, get comfortable with uh, the new commissioner. I know it's going to be his second year, but uh, what a tough first year with COVID and and, and obviously the uh, the guessing game that the Big Ten presented uh, a lot of the, the the coaches this season. Well, I, I think it's a I think it's a real extremely smart move by the Big Ten to do that. You know, and Barry's a guy that you know he's not going to worry about. He's not he doesn't care about making friends. He's got enough friends. He's gonna he's gonna <laughs> tell you the truth. He's gonna and but he's also gonna tell you what what he thinks is best for the league, based off the experience that he has. You're talking about a guy that I think been in the, what since 1981 been mm-hmm. part of the Big Ten. And, you know, I mean, I still consider, you know, he was at Notre Dame a couple of years, but that might, you might as well be in the Big Ten there. Um, so, you know, you can't replace that experience. You can't, you can't find that wisdom anywhere. Um, you just can't put a price tag on that. And, and obviously Barry not only cares about his legacy, he cares about the legacy of the Big Ten, and he cares about the legacy of, of all the programs in the Big Ten, and especially football. Um, and, you know, I, I think – you know, Jim uh, Delaney, uh, you know, that guy was a great commissioner. I mean, he was a great leader when, you know, he kind of spoke the law. When Jim Delaney said something, you might have your opinions and he'd listen to him, but Delaney was going to tell you, hey, this is how we're doing it and this is why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think Barry can help the new commissioner with that. I, I think he'll be good with that. But also, you know, as we get older, Schmitty, you know, there's you, you we're losing icon after icon. We want to keep these guys around sure. as long as as long as we can. You know, you want to keep a guy like Coach Osborne. I mean, there'll never be another Coach Osborne. You know, there'll there'll never be another Barry Alvarez. Let's keep these guys around. Let's keep them involved. You know, let's get their wisdom. Let's get their get their knowledge. Um, let's get their opinion. Let's let's let those guys kind of lead us into the next generation of, of college athletics. So uh, I'm glad that he's not stepping away 100%. I'm glad that, uh, that, he's, that he's staying involved. And, uh, and, and you know what? I mean, he's, he's earned it, man. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a privilege to have Barry Alvarez um, you know, be, a part of, uh, be a part of that. And I, I think it's going to help Kevin Warren. I think it's going to help the league. And, you know, Barry's tough, right? And, and – you know, and you also learn a lot from making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Barry, Barry has rebooted Wisconsin several times, you know, as a coach and as an AD. And, you know, you just can't gain that experience anywhere else unless you've lived it. So, uh, so love Barry Alvarez, huge fan of him. I think he lost one game in two years at Notre Dame. He did great things for that program. And I think the testament of, of Barry and guys like Coach Osborne and, and Bo, you know, just kind of go 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 look around and see what the former players. You know, there are going to be fans that never like you. There's always going to be people you can't please. There's always going to be assistant coach that doesn't like you. Or, but go go try to find me a player that has anything negative to say about Barry Alvarez, Coach Osborne, and you know, I I mean tough to find a guy a player to say anything negative about Bo Pelini and you know even Kirk I mean you know what what Kirk was able to survive last year that's a testament to you know how the players feel about Kirk 
More with Coach Kaczynski. George Darlington's also on the way. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some more with the Coach Rick Kaczynski. Barry Alvarez, Tom Osborne, legends of the game and how they contribute still to their uh, college football program. In this case, Barry Alvarez now going to be a liaison for the Big Ten. Yeah, you got to keep those guys around, man, as long as you can in the Big Ten, especially. It's been a privilege to have those guys part of that league. Kaz, we'll wrap. Uh, what's your take on Tebow with Urban uh, 2.0 here down in Jacksonville? Hell, look at, look at, look at the publicity, right? <laughs> You're up in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're talking about Tim Tebow, man. Guy that hadn't played football since who knows when. 2012. Right? But, uh, yeah, but I think, I think it's more probably to do with culture. And I think, you know, probably – you know, kind of a guy having that guy in the locker room is he good enough to make it? Who knows? I mean, the guy, the guy's pretty, the guy's pretty amazing. It's, it's funny. He, it, everybody would want if they have a son to be like Tim Tebow, but people don't like him, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, good looking guy, in shape, freak athlete, all that stuff. I mean, good dude. <laughs> and people just like him. I mean, I tell you, what a country we live in. Let's try to cut this dude off at his knees. But I think. Uh, it's great for publicity, and I think he'll be great for the locker room. Now, is he good enough to make it or play? I mean, who knows? We'll see. I mean, who knows, man? And uh, but uh, hey, let's uh, hell. Yeah, it piques my interest. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing for Jacksonville, and uh, you know, it's probably good thing good thing for Urban. You know, starting out in the NFL. You know, Tebow has some experience in the NFL. I think, I think, I think Tebow can lean. I think Urban might be able to lean on on Tebow for a little of those things, and uh, and and have that relationship. And Urban lean on, lean on uh, Tebow for for the locker room mm-hmm. and uh, things of that nature. So it's obviously going to be a, be a challenge. But uh, hell, man, I, I'm not betting against Urban Meyer, and I'm not betting against Tim Tim Tebow. You don't. Don't have to like those guys, but you gotta gotta respect what they've done. It's been pretty amazing what those guys done on the field and Tebow off the field. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Kaz, we'll do this again uh, next Tuesday. Always fun to chat. Thanks for spending a few minutes, bud. Same here, brother. Appreciate you having me on. Good to hear from Kaz, and uh, excited to, to talk about uh, some Nebraska football, but not necessarily the the outcome or the game. We spent time with Mitch Sherman earlier in his story on the 0-1 Nebraska-Colorado game and uh, the uh, the feature, the series being done on the athletic, you know, upsets in 2001 that uh, are still being felt today with some programs. And uh, longtime coach, Hall of Famer, assistant at Nebraska, so many great years. We welcome back in George Darlington on Hale Varsity Radio. We, we, talked, we talked to coach with football facts during the fall coach darlington how are you good to spend some time with you thanks for making time this afternoon well good yeah i'm doing okay and sorry we had so many excuse me interruptions before we could get on no no worries at all it's it's great to spend some time with you and you're featured along with uh tracy wistrom and eric crouch des moines adams in in mitch's story on that 0-1 Colorado game. And, Coach, I know it's not a pleasant ball game, but what do you remember about 
that week leading up. We we all remember, I think, where Nebraska was at. That was number one in the country. As you look back at this, does it still kind of surprise you that Friday in Boulder? Well, uh, obviously we were su- surprised, but we made a couple errors that really hurt. Uh, I mentioned in the article that we changed one of our base defenses. We were concerned about their size and thought another defensive lineman mm-hmm. when we called that defense would be better than having a linebacker in the game. If we had it to do over, obviously, we wouldn't have done that. Uh, we just uh, weren't geared up in one way of playing a max football game where you solve scores that were, uh, you know, like whoever had the ball last won. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and then the game looked worse than it was near the end because we uh, literally gave them two touchdowns right at the end of the game. They conceivably should have had 48 points, which is a tremendous amount of points. But... Uh, you know, as I mentioned in the article, I had friends, uh, Colorado Buff grads, that mm-hmm. thought in the third quarter we were still going to win, and we had an excellent opportunity to win. Um, but crumbling on the one going in really, uh, really hurt, and then we just uh, made some errors during the game that allowed some of those points. George Darlington's with us on Hale Varsity Radio talking about that 0-1 Colorado-Nebraska ball game. Coach, did did you sense overconfidence by the kids, if you remember back? No, that, that's a lot of crap if there's any indication. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. Article, <laughs> I thought the article in that respect, I think I read it correctly, um, there's no way our kids would have ever over uh, got overconfident playing Oklahoma or Colorado, uh, anybody of that caliber. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just uh, made some crucial errors. As the article mentioned, we fumbled in the third quarter going in on the one-yard line. And then they took the ball, as I recall, drove the length of the field. Uh, we had a misfit on a play inside the 10, and Mary Crouch uh, cut off the wrong foot in the uh, first half on a fourth and one in midfield. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not saying we'd have driven down and scored, but we certainly would have uh, kept the ball for a few uh, downs and pushed it into their territory. But there was no overconfidence, and there was no lack of of uh, focus. And again, I think I've mentioned before the big statistic during the Nebraska thirty some years was we lost to one team with a losing record in all those years through three head coaches, which uh, was a tribute to the Nebraska. Routine mm-hmm. 
uh, of how we practiced, which was a real factor in the Nebraska blueprint being abandoned when Callahan came in. George Darlington's with us. Coach, did, did that game zap your team's confidence after the fact going into Miami, or was Miami just just too too big a hill after a Colorado loss like that? Well, the, the bottom line is just talent-wise, Miami was better than us. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that we would never make that statement because a lot of times if, if there was much discrepancy one way or the other, it wasn't much. But the only difference between that team and our 95 team was they didn't have a very good quarterback. But uh, they were extremely talented. Uh, we had to play really well to have a chance to win. I think I don't think they scored in the second half. We ran a punt back but for a touchdown. But to give you how good they were, they had only given up a few yards in 12 games on punt returns, and we broke one for 70, 80 yards mm. for a score, which was more yards than they'd given up the whole season within 12 games. They were very talented. Yeah, And yeah. again, I, I think it would have been a good game but between our 95 team and that team, I think we would have won simply because we had a better we had better quarterbacks. George Darlington's with us. Hale Varsity Radio, longtime assistant at Nebraska. And uh, we're talking about uh, the athletics article, uh, revisiting uh, upsets that helped shape uh, programs 20 years from now. Coach, was it just a, was it was it a difficult time as an assistant after that that one season when you look at kind of how things have shifted with the coaching carousel at Nebraska, the different administrative bosses there, and of course all the coaching changes was was it difficult post one into o two and beyond? Well, o two. Uh, you know, I don't know all the political stuff, but sure, it seemed to me that all during that year there was an awful lot of things going on behind the scenes concerning change in the staff. And uh, five of us uh, were no longer on the team after uh, the last home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of us were fired, no Penniper. Myself and uh, and uh, the lad from uh, Nelson Barnes mm-hmm. from uh, Texas, and then Dan Young was already going to resign, retire, and uh, Craig Bull had some issues, and he was going to leave the staff. But uh, the the big demise of Nebraska football was when they abandoned the Nebraska blueprint as to how we practiced. And uh, and part of that involved walk-ons. Uh, Coach Callahan didn't want anything to do with them. Polini didn't either, but Jeff Shamrock kept pestering him. And there was a time when we had more walk-ons let's say, starting than Pelini could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
uh, poor old Mike Riley, he'd never coached probably more than 100 kids, and he couldn't imagine how you could have 150 guys out. And uh, so there was no effort to recruit walk-ons, and there was no effort to practice like we practiced where uh, numerous players got tremendous number of repetition. And they either, it helped in the year that we were practicing and playing, but it helped tremendously in the future. Mm. I remember one day, uh, Mike Riley's first year, and uh, Mike's really a nice guy, as we know, and um, I was standing on the practice field with with Tommy Frazier and the father of a uh, quarterback, and I should know his name, from California. And we had had lunch that day. And uh, coach, I got it. I got it. I've got to go to commercial. I hate to do this. Oh, can, yeah, we, can we can we pick up the story in two minutes? And now, and now, radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, get the uh, Hale Varsity podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Tell us what you think. A few more minutes here. George Darlington, Hall of Fame Nebraska assistant. We're referencing Mitch Sherman's story from the Athletic in that 0-1 Colorado game. Coach, I, I gosh, I, I, I'm sorry to step on you and interrupt. But uh, we were talking about the Nebraska blueprint, the downfall in Nebraska football, and you had a story to tell about practice. And let's pick it up from you're on the sideline with Tommy Frazier, a father of a, of a California quarterback, and it's you know Nebraska's third or fourth different head coach since Frank. Yeah, what happened is uh, the father and I had gone to lunch that day and he was really not a complainer. His son was third team, and he said, you know, I have no problem with that, but if he's not getting any many reps, how is he going to show he's going to be good enough to play? Mm-hmm. So we're standing out there. It was a beautiful sunny day between the two grass fields, and Tommy was there, and I always kidded him about being a middle guard because he's so heavy now. <laughs> and I said, Tommy... How many reps did uh, our third-team quarterback get in practice? And he started laughing. He said, Coach, our third-team quarterback got more reps than our first and second-team quarterbacks. The bottom line is that everybody was working. Everybody was getting better, uh, had the opportunity to get better, and they were getting coached and prepared. There wasn't any standing around. And in in some cases, in one or two years, uh, the press and even us as coaches would be shocked at the development of some of the guys that two years ago you might felt would probably never see the field. And it was all because of the amount of repetition they got all the time. And whether they were fourth team or first team, they practiced, they improved their skills. And in some cases, guys took, uh, you know, big uh, physical mm-hmm. jumps over the summer. But you don't get better standing around talking to your teammates on the sideline 
as whether you're going to eat dominoes tonight or some something else and not getting any repetition. And a lot of coaches, they don't want to deal with that many players. But it's my understanding that Alabama practices like we used to. Uh, I certainly know North Dakota State, a couple of those teams uh, have emulated the Nebraska blueprint. You don't get better standing. You've got to do, you've got to practice. And fourth team and you're going against a first or second team player, you're going to get better because you're going to be playing at that time against the superior athlete and you pick up pointers, you understand what you have to do to be successful. George Darlington's with us. Hail Varsity Radio Coach, I really love the insight. Last question about that 01 season and then the, the years that followed. Was there a, a feeling of uneasiness with with Steve Peterson as the athletic director or is it a situation where the, the guy just worked for us not long ago this will be all right, or or did you even have an opinion on it? Well, he wasn't there when all of us got fired. Steve wasn't? He came in after that. Okay. No, that was Bill Byrne. That was Byrne, okay. And, yeah, Steve came in the next year, uh, the next, you know, after we were mm-hmm. already dismissed. And, of course, generally speaking, the fellows that replaced us were ex-players, sure. which, uh, except for uh, Coach Polini. Mm-hmm. But uh, the big demise is how we, how they abandoned the walk-on program, how they abandoned the Nebraska blueprint. Hopefully Scott is getting it back. They do one thing in practice that was uh, different and maybe made up for not having as many stations, and that is how they... Uh, uh, are very rapid with their plays in practice. The big thing is to get the repetition. And if you get it by going very fast and then resting and going very fast, or if you get it by having four stations with every player on your team involved in one station or another, uh, they're both good. But again, you don't get better standing around. Coach, you get better when you practice. Coach, last thought: When are we going to go get a taco? Well, you know, you always talk about that. I'm serious. It's Taco, taco never, Tuesday. I don't ever hear from you. I, I, I <laughs> well, this COVID thing's been a pain in the neck, you know. Well, now see, we're in Nebraska. We're not in New York City. <laughs> uh, we can go out, have a meal, and uh, there's not going to be any kissing between either one of us. No, anyway. I'm, 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 you know, no, I'm not your type. You come, <laughs> no, you come up with a date, and I'll be very happy. We'll go get a taco. To, uh, accompany you. In fact, my one-eyed doctor. I'm the one-eyed guy. We're going to dinner on Thursday night. All right. And uh, so, you know, he and he usually buys. So All right. that's always good. Too. Well, I'll get the margaritas. You get the tacos. All right. 
Okay, that's fair enough. We'll talk you, soon. You find the time, and I'll be be there with bells on. That'll be good, Coach. Appreciate your insight. Thanks for for spending some time on on a tough ball game and a tough topic. Well, the one thing don't forget about that 2001 team. They probably got more out of their talent than any team we ever coached in 30 years. So they maxed. I don't believe okay. in saying overachievers. But they are the epitome of overachievers because uh, talent-wise, they didn't compare to the 95 team or the 94 or the 97 team, but they accomplished a tremendous amount. That's awesome insight. Coach, you take care. We'll be in touch, and we'll get that taco. Okay, sounds great. You take care. There he is. George Darlington with us, uh, Hall of Fame Nebraska assistant. We have tried to do tacos, and I'm saying, "What are we going to get a taco?" And he's like, uh, you, "You don't call me. We're not. We haven't done tacos for a while." So, <laughs> you know, with uh, with for a while not being able to to really go out, or if you do go out, you're spaced out. Um, <laughs> leave it to coach to go. Yeah, you know what? We're not in New York, bro. We we can go. Uh, we can go get a taco here in Nebraska, in great state of Nebraska, and he's. He's right on. He's awesome. Good for him. Great insight, and he doesn't pull punches. Love hearing from him. We'll get you a chance to qualify for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff here shortly, and uh, we'll find out what's for dinner for Damon Barr. Is uh, might be some rum. Might just be some rum. Winding down to Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss brother, give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Tuesday. Good stuff today. Mitch Sherman, Rick Kaczynski, George Darlington tomorrow. Mike Babcock, Mike Shuhart. And it's a Pirate Wednesday. Mike Leach going to join the show. Your chance shortly here for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. A uh, giveaway coming up May 21st. That's a grill from Capital Patio in the Flame Shop. That's a gift card to Campbell's. It's a gift card to Leon's. We'll hear that cue to call in a moment. We're going to hear from Urban Meyer and Chris Collinsworth on this Tebow thing and if he's actually signed with Jayville or not. Yeah, we have not signed him. Uh, there's a thought going around, you know, he uh, he was in the best shape of his life, asked to see if he could work out with a couple of our coaches. Uh, I wasn't even there. And uh, they came back to me and said, wow, this guy's in incredible shape. And I said, then I went another time and watched him try him out. And they said, go work on these things. He comes back later. They try him out again. I'm not there. And they come in and they said, wow, you know, this guy's ball skills. He's a great athlete. He looks like he's 18 years old, not 20, whatever he is, 33. And uh, I said, guys, you don't understand. Now, this guy is, you know, he's the most competitive maniac you're ever going to talk to. And let's give it a shot. And I have not decided if we're going to do that or not yet. I'm getting close. I got to make a decision here pretty soon. (laughs) There you are. He's signed, dude. <laughs> okay. He's signed. 
Damon, what is for dinner tonight? Junior tried making mac and cheese, and I don't know that he oiled the uh, the pan, and uh, things got really stinky last night. Uh, that's tough situation there. Uh-huh. We're lighting up the grill tonight. Uh, Bang. Celebrating our last week as roommates uh, in the next coming weeks as I'm, we're all moving out eventually. And turkey burgers, hot dogs, uh, little beer darts. Nice. Do you uh, trust... Uh, Mrs. Damon to uh, to throw a dart with you having a water balloon sitting on your head. Well, that is definitely uh, you're not hammered not. enough yet. <laughs> well, she's in uh, out of town right now anyway, so oh, I won't, I won't exactly have to worry about it. But uh, I don't know if I'd be stepping into that ring anytime soon with the on How's my your head. Aim? How's your end? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't trust myself in that regard either, so I'll leave it at that. Gotcha. Let's qualify now and uh, take caller nine. Yeah, uh, Dan twittered in, why are there bird sound effects? I didn't make it. All right, that's the sound of my wife's toaster thrown in the bathtub I'm in. Actually, it's a grill, and you can win a gift card to Leon's Gourmet, a gift card to Campbell's Nursery, each $100. But the grill is a Weber Spirit E210 gas grill from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop. Also, Capital Patio Rub and a Weber Brush for said grill. The 21st of May is the giveaway. Caller 9 qualifies now for that drawing. Four six six three seven seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Caller nine now. The ESPN Memorial Day kickoff qualify now. The Grail, the gift card to Campbell's, the gift card to Leon's. Be caller nine four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five. Five eight six five. Good stuff today. Thanks, George Darlington. Thanks, Rick Kaczynski. Thank you, Mitch Sherman. Coach Leach, tomorrow, talk to you at four on Hale Varsity.